All right, welcome to Down by the Bank, episode 60. This is Corey. Hey guys, what's up? It's Derek. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's JK3. Down by the Bank is sponsored by Brewers Pizza, Orange Park, and Clay County's only brew pub. So thanks so much for them for being a sponsor. Today we are joined by our second repeat guest ever, and that is Brian Jackson, sports reporter with News for Jacks. Brian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you guys for having me back, man. I can't believe it's been a year already, man. Feels like it was a couple weeks ago. Yeah, no, it's crazy. So we're, you know, we're really, really appreciative of you uh, taking the time again and um, kind of to get right into it, you know, you were tweeting from the Jags Bucks practice today. Um, and again, you know, if you if you don't already follow him, be sure to follow Brian at WJXT E Jackson on Twitter, and we'll put that in the podcast description. Uh, taking pictures and everything, uh, getting some pretty good insights. Um, the hot topic right now is Blake Bortles and his continued struggles. I'm sure you've seen that on Twitter. Um, so, do you believe? Doug Marone when he pulled Bortles due to a quote-unquote pitch count, or do you think that they're legitimately losing confidence at him at this point? Uh, to be completely honest, and I'm probably uh, part of the problem, I guess you could say, Blake hasn't been as bad as everybody's made him out to be. It's like he hasn't been great. He hasn't been horrible. He's been somewhere in that gray area in between, which is not what you want out of a starting quarterback. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Blake – is going to be an amazing quarterback, but he hasn't been nearly as bad as I think people have made him out to be. I mean, he's had some throws that he misses, and I think that's just kind of like who this guy is. I mean, he's not going to be, if you're expecting Blake to be Aaron Rodgers, I mean, that's just never going to happen. But if you accept him for what he is, for a guy who can maybe throw the ball between 25 and maybe max, keyword max 30 times a game, and you don't ask him to do too much, I actually think he can be... I think that they can win with them because they don't have any other options. I mean, if you go back to Henny, uh, the season's over. And at this point, you're just kind of playing for next year, and you're just going to say that the first year under Doug Marone was pretty much a wash. So, no, I think Doug is a, Doug is a pretty straightforward guy. Like, you know, with, with Gus, it was a completely different story. Gus is just super, super positive. No, Doug Marone actually tells you exactly how he feels. I don't think that was – anything anything of them trying to cover up anything or anything like that like I think he was actually um you know very straightforward when he said that you know it was planned rest I mean they do tend to do these types of things during training camp uh because one thing interesting that Blake mentioned today is that he's had more reps this camp than he did in all three of his prior years combined and that's just kind of the way that Doug Marone and the offensive staff has just kind of designed their training camp plan for Blake I mean but the way Blake explained it is he was like, you know what, we're going to make mistakes. But, you know, it's better to kind of make them in practice when you're trying to do the same thing over and over and over again rather than not getting enough reps. And then, you know, you go to a game and they're asking him to throw the ball 50 times a game. That's just not going to be a recipe for success for Bortles. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to come back and be this amazing quarterback, but I, I think some of his struggles, I think, are kind of blown out of proportion just a little bit. Why do you think that the uh, additional reps have been put into place? Like, why do you think they've added that additional workload on him if it seems to, you know, create? Because the thing I worry about, because I'm a baseball fan too, is you try not to overwork those guys, you know, prior to the season and spring training and stuff. And so do you think this is actually going to be kind of detrimental to, to him leading into the season? I don't think so, because Blake said that this was kind of their plan, even when he went into his offseason plan and he went out to California for a couple of months to work with the 3D quarterback group. Like, they built a plan that would kind of get him ready for this. Because, you know, last year he really struggled with his mechanics. So it's kind of one of those things where 
maybe you risk, okay, he's doing a little bit too much with his arm. Maybe he's having too many throws. But at the same time, if he's not getting enough reps, he's going to go back to those bad habits. And I would rather take the risk of, okay, maybe his arm isn't you know where it's where you think it should be because once you get to the regular season he's not going to be practicing that much anyway like this is just something that they're trying to do during training camp by the time the regular season starts i mean he's not he's definitely going to be on a pitch count it's not like these guys are out practicing for two and a half hours every day like they are in training camp because once the season starts that's going to be dialed back significantly so i don't think they're really going to have that issue uh, once the regular season starts Hey, Brian, JK3 here. Thanks again uh, for, for coming on tonight. Um, about the play selection, you know, within the first game uh, between Blake, Henney, and Allen, we saw a couple of uh, more excitement, um, you know, exciting downfield passes from both backup quarterbacks. Um, do you think that, the, you know, the regime has any, uh, you know, certain play calls that they're putting Blake in, or is it just kind of they're taking what the defense has given them at that time? I think Blake just took what the defense gave him at that point. I mean, it it's hard to really judge a guy on five throws. I mean, and one of them was dropped by Rashad Green. I mean, yeah, it was pretty much all checkdowns. Uh, but I think that's just kind of the plan that they had in place. Um, it'll be interesting to see how much he does on Thursday night. I mean, I would imagine that he's at least going to play the first quarter. So, you know, I would hope to see maybe take a shot downfield to Allen Robinson at some point during the game just so we can even see that. But I think they were just kind of playing it safe and – I mean, it's the first preseason game. I mean, they scored on, I believe, what, two of their drives or something like that? Two of the first drives for the offense? I mean, yeah, you sure, you would have – sure, everybody wants to see Blake go 10 of 12 for 125 and two touchdowns. But it's the first preseason game of the year. It's not really – to me, it's not really that big of a deal. Hey, Brian, it's Derek. Uh, just on that on that note with, you know, the practice and all that, you know, there was a video that came out of uh, A-Rob today. Uh, you know, he said something that, you know, they, they picked up. Uh, that happens every day. And, but, that, yeah. I, mean, I mean, I mean, that's not really <laughs> – I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm in the media. But, I mean, that – any wide receiver in the NFL is going to say that about his quarterback. I mean, sure. Tom Brady misses throws. Aaron Rodgers misses throws. So, I'm sure, you know, if, if Aaron Rodgers overthrows Jordy Nelson, he's probably going to say the same exact thing. <laughs> So I think again because it's Bortles and Bortles and you know he struggled. I think people just kind of it's like it's kind of like the Jaguars are just kind of like that kid that everybody makes fun of, and it's just kind of easy to just pile on. <laughs> That's kind of <laughs> so it's just it is easy to for everybody just to kind of pile on them. Like I even saw that video on Sports Center this morning. I was like, really? Like that made Sports Center? Like I mean, A. Rob yeah. says something like that every single day. Yeah, and, and you know, with wide receivers, you know, that is known in, in football, them in corners as the prima donna position. So obviously they're going to voice their opinion. Hey, Rob's trying to get paid, uh, and I don't blame him. <laughs> He's messing yeah. with his money. <laughs> hey, I don't blame him either. Uh, you know, you got Lee out right now. Uh, Cole and Westbrook, especially Cole. Cole has come out of nowhere. So you talked about, you know, Bortles isn't going to be throwing the ball that much, but it seems like the strength of the team for the offense is our wide receiver. I would, for the I, offensive I would, side I would of agree. The ball. On the offensive side of the ball, that's probably – I mean, the defensive line is pretty deep now too. But I want to say most talented, I would maybe have to say the receivers. Now, if Marquise was healthy, you know, I mean, I, that guy just cannot catch a break for whatever reason. Unfortunately, he's the greatest guy in the world uh, to deal with as far as media. Um, yeah, I mean, you've got Allen Robinson, who's a, at least in my opinion, a bona fide number one receiver. Alan Hearns, who's your classic possession receiver, is going to run any route in the entire route tree. Doesn't matter if he's going to get his head taken off. He's going to try, at least try to catch it anyway. He's not going to short arm anything. 
Marquise Lee can stretch the field. D.D. Westbrook can stretch the field. And then this, this kid, Keelan Cole, who nobody knew before. Well, I'll be honest, I had no idea who he was before training camp. Uh, he's been making plays left and right. Outside of A-Rob, he's been making the most plays on offense throughout training camp. And it's just – so it wasn't a surprise to see him go for that 97-yard touchdown against the Patriots because he's been making play after play after play. But the thing that really caught my attention about him uh, in that Patriots game is, like, he's not going to make the team just because he's a good receiver. Like, I mean, at best he's going to be the maybe the fifth receiver. I mean, if we're talking about between after A-Rob, Hearns, Marquise, D.D. Westbrook is going to make the team because he's a rookie. Or really, Ben's probably going to make the team because he's great on special teams. So that's probably five already. And then we're talking about Rashad, Rashad Green. He may be in trouble a little bit. Uh, and But what, what really impressed me about Cole is, like, he went on special teams and he was a gunner, and he had at least one or two tackles on special teams. I mean, like, that's how that kid is going to make the team. And that's something that Doug Marone actually mentioned. I'm not sure if it was right after the game or sometime later in the week. Is that uh, I guess when they went back and watched the tape, he had a really good block on, I don't know if it was the pump return that led to Rashad Green's long run or whether it was a kick return, but he said he had a nice block on special teams and a special teams tackle, and he had a 97-yard touchdown reception. I mean, I don't know that he could have had a better uh, preseason debut uh, than he did. Hey, Brian, is there is there a chance that uh, that Shane Wynn might be able to carve out a spot on the roster since he only counts as half a player? <laughs> If that guy was like my height, if I was six feet, he would be really, really good. It's just the fact that he's like five foot two, and that's that just doesn't bode well for him. And that's just such a deep position group on the team. Like I just don't understand. I don't know where they could stash him. Like I mean, you can try to put him on the uh, on the practice squad, but I just think they just had too many bodies at that position where I don't see any way that he makes the team. Yeah, it's going to be tough. To, you know, I've been very impressed with the wide receivers so far in camp. I, I, I got to tell you, you know, before media guys were, were calling it, I, I got to give it to our JK3 on the podcast. He actually brought it to our attention. He's been screaming the guy's name for two weeks. Not sure where he got it from. He must have just watched him close at practice. But uh, I'm excited. And, you know, when you say that Bortles only throws the ball 25 to 30 times a game, maybe. Yeah, that's that's great. You know, because that means you're trying to have balance on offense. But when you have that's the strength of your offense, uh, you, you don't want to ever limit it. That's just where I'm at. I mean, I, I understand both sides of it. But at the same time, you don't draft Leonard Fournette, number, what was it, four, fourth overall, I believe, uh, to give him the ball 10 times a game. I mean, if you're taking a running back that high, he has to touch the ball 20 to 25 times a game. It's not like, I mean, you still got Chris Ivory back there who can give you another you know, seven to 10 carries and then whatever you're going to get from TJ Yeldon. I know we're going to talk about running backs at some point. Uh, whatever you get from TJ Yeldon on third down or whatever. I mean, going into last year, TJ Yeldon was their starting running back. <laughs> so, I mean, they, they've got some weapons at running back as well. But I honestly think that, like, less is more for Blake. I mean, there's some stat out there where if he throws the ball over a certain amount of times, the Jaguars just don't win. Like, just flat out, they just don't win. And I think, you know, a lot of times if, if you can ask him to do less, I'm saying maybe he maybe go the Alex Smith route with him and see how it works for a year. Now, it's, it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be the sexy thing. That's not going to be that everybody wants to see. But if less of Blake means that they win eight games this year, hey, that's an improvement. I'm not saying it's like everybody's going to be happy. But, I mean, that's better than what it's been. Yeah, I'm sure Corey knows that stat, like how many 
times Blake Bortles throws under <laughs> with him and his analytics. <laughs> yeah, I'll get back to you. I think D-Rock tweeted, a, tweeted something about that a little while ago. I forget exactly what it was. I think I used it in a story sometime last year. Hey, uh, you mentioned uh, before we, when we were talking about the receivers, uh, you mentioned that Sheldon Day, um, you know, was one of the one, one of the a part of the depth in the uh, defensive line. How much of uh, time can we actually see him increase his role? Because I, I don't know if it was he was just playing against his competition, but it seemed like he was in the backfield almost every snap against New England. So how do they kind of rot rotate him in, or is there any room for him to even rotate in behind you know all the depth that we have? Well, they want to play. I mean, the way that you know Tom Coughlin won two Super Bowls is basically they had a defensive line that just comes at you in waves. And they feel like that's kind of what they have now. I mean, they've got so many bodies. So, I mean, they're probably going to start off first downs will be Avery Jones at defensive tackle, um, Malik Jackson inside next to him with Calais Campbell on one end and, um, and Yannick Ngakwe on another end. Then we're talking about the pass rushing situations. Avery will come out, and then they'll move Campbell inside with Jackson. Then you'll have Fowler and Ngakwe on the outside. And then that's when, you know, you, you fit in. Where does Sheldon Day fit into that? And where does Michael, Michael Bennett's having a pretty good camp as well? Like, that's who he's really in competition with to see who's going to kind of get those, like, when, when Malik needs a breath, when Malik needs a breather, like, who's going to get those reps? Is it going to be Michael Bennett? Is it going to be Sheldon Day? Like, that's going to be one of those battles that I'm interested to see because it's only really so much you can tell in practice. Um, I mean, they seem to, like, you know, kind of hold their own. The Jaguars' offensive line, I mean, uh, A.J. Candace having a pretty good camp. By his standards, he did really good against Jeremy McCoy. Uh, I mean, I don't know that he's going to face too many defensive tackles that are better than that guy. And I mean, he held him up pretty good uh, over the last two days of practice. Um, so it's not like I'm not seeing Sheldon Day just completely dominate in practice. But at the same time, I do think he has some potential to do a little bit better uh, than he was last year. I mean, last year he kind of had that injury. And even talking to him, he said he was just never – he never really quite got his feet up under him because he missed almost all of training camp last year. I forget exactly. I don't know if it was a back injury, I believe it was. But, like, when he missed that time, especially in his rookie season, he was just never, ever really able to kind of get right. right. So now that he's kind of back to normal, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, who's going to get those reps behind Malik because, trust me, Malik does not want to come off the field yeah. at all. Yeah, I mean, and he shouldn't. I mean, he's just been, a, you know, one of the bright spots of the defense last year. And, you know, Super Bowl champion, he's got that leadership and everything else like that, you know, that he brings to the defensive line. So, yeah, I agree. He shouldn't have to actually come off the field. Um, so there's been some talk with, with Puzz playing uh, some situational middle linebacker and, you know, um, Miles Jack going, you know, to either the, the, the weak side, um, uh, you know, in those situations. What do you think that's going to do as far as Miles's a progression and him actually learning the middle linebacker spot. That 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 kind of caught me off guard when when Doug mentioned that earlier this week. Well, when we saw it at practice, it was kind of like, oh, that's interesting, because it wasn't like you know when they decided to do this, it wasn't a competition. It was Miles Jack is our starting middle linebacker. Right. Like Paz, if you want to be here, you're gonna play on strikes on strong side linebacker, and it wasn't a competition at all. Because I mean, Paz had a really really good year last year. Um, that kind of catches me off guard. I mean, it's going to take some time. I mean, Miles, he's not going to recognize plays as fast as Paz, like, but nobody in this position is because, I mean, he just ha doesn't have the experience at the position. I think he's still kind of more in the mindset of, okay, I see the play. 
now I'm going to run and get there. While Paz probably knows where the ball is going based on where they line up, on you know what he's seeing in front of him. Right. And Miles just isn't going to be there at this point. And it's going to take some time for him to get there. But the thing is, I don't know that it's as huge of a deal as we may make it out to be because they're going to be in nickel 75% of the time anyway. So he's going to be on the field regardless with Telvin Smith. Um, they were saying, uh, Doug Marone was saying today or the other day that, you know, they feel like Miles Jack is going to be a three-down linebacker no matter what. So that means that if he can make the calls in nickel situations or in dime situations, that's really the bigger the bigger issue because they're not going to run up against too many seats that are just going to try to just pound the ball down their throats where you're going to have three linebackers on the field anyway. So he's going to be out there a lot. It's just going to take some time for him to be able to recognize plays. And if he struggles, I mean, they still have a fallback option where you can just put Paz back in there and, you, and I'm pretty sure he won't miss a beat. Yeah, that's it, that was kind of way from left field uh, for everybody. But hopefully they're able to, to, to figure that out because Jack's just an amazing talent. They just have to find a way to get him on the field, man. Yeah, he is. I think I think once he gets the reps, I mean, he's never played, he had never started a game in the NFL at middle linebacker. I mean, he did lead the team in tackles because, I mean, he did play a little bit longer. Uh, I mean, if it was me, I would just leave him at middle linebacker and be like, it's the preseason, let him make some mistakes. And if you feel like he's struggling after the second preseason game, okay, uh, let him play the third one. Because it's not like you don't have – Paz does not need any any reps at middle linebacker to go and do his job week one against Houston. I mean, if you tell Paz that he's playing middle linebacker against Houston week one, you could tell him three days before the game and he would be well prepared just that, that's because that's just the type of guy that he is. So I personally would, you know, just leave Jacket middle linebacker and let him make his mistakes and get his feet wet. But that's why I'm on this side of things and I don't get paid to coach. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, and I'm on the other side of the microphone as well. But just seeing it, I mean, he was a little bit late. There was some angles, but the athleticism yeah. and right. game you speed, you, you, yeah. can't, you can't teach that. I mean, he's just got to, you know, start learning the plays and learning where people are going to be. Eventually he'll get there. But I think it's, you know, kind of regressive for him to keep going back and forth between, you know, the, those those spots. Right. No, I, I agree. I mean, I think – by the time that they get to this third preseason game, I mean, that's the one that we all care about. So it'll be interesting to see. If they line him up at – if he's playing strong side linebacker against Carolina a week from Thursday, that's probably where you're going to see him playing week one. So maybe he's only playing nickel, and then when they go, I guess, with what they call base, maybe he's going to play on a strong side. So that's when we will know for sure. Uh, when when they come out, and we'll see exactly uh, who lines up where against Carolina – in about a week and a couple of days from now. Yeah. Switching gears here a little bit, uh, running backs. You know, our shiny new running back has a foot injury. Uh, Jags are saying it's just a foot injury, but, you know, there are some reports saying that this is a chronic injury that he had at LSU, that he's had problems with, that he missed some time last year. Um, so with him being out, you know, who do, who do we have? We have Yeldon, Grant, and Ivory. Uh, Yeldon, obviously, you say complete back. Grant has the speed. Ivory's the power back. Which which one do you go to week one if, if Fournette's still not able to play, if they're covering something up or, you know, who knows? I mean, of course they said they're not covering anything up. Uh, Fournette was out there today just kind of working out on the side. Like, if he wasn't out there at all, I would be concerned. But the fact that he's even able to do anything, um, to me that says that they're just being cautious with it. Like, he didn't wear cleats or anything like that. Trying to be a little bit incognito, like when he was leaving, uh, when he was going on to the practice, but he didn't have his jersey on, just kind of had a hoodie on. 
I was talking to one of the other uh, reporters and photographers for one of the other stations, and I was like, oh, man, that was Fournette. And he, he kind of knew that we were looking for him, so he was trying, trying to duck out. I'm pretty sure he was coached to do that. Uh, but I don't think that they're taking it, you know. I mean, he plays running back. Like, he doesn't need a million reps in the preseason to be ready for week one. Like, he, I, I really feel like he could not play this week against Tampa. He could not play against Carolina. And I feel like he would be fine going in there week one against Houston. Now, if he isn't able to go, that's when things will get a little bit interesting. Um, because, yeah, I think for – I mean, Chris Ivory – actually, still, Chris Ivory is still the starter. Like, even if you notice against New England, like, it was Chris Ivory who started, not Fournette. Like, Doug Marone is not in the business of just handing anybody the job at all, at any position. So, right now, I mean, they still – I mean, they're saying that they have three starting running backs in Yeldon, Ivory, and Fournette, but um, – if Fournette can't go for whatever reason, I would say that Chris Ivory would probably hold, you know, the biggest role there with uh, Yeldon kind of filling in and then, you know, Corey Grant as the uh, change of pace back. But, um, I mean, there's a chance that Corey Grant might not even make this team. I mean, depending on, you know, how the numbers shake out because you got to keep in mind that last year they kept four running backs, but this year they're talking about they're going to keep a, a fullback unless they change their mind at the last second. So we know that they're going to have three three guys on the roster in Yeldon, uh, Fournette, and uh, Chris Ivory. So that's three. Then when you add one of these fullbacks, that's four. So if you're keeping Corey Grant, that means you're keeping five running backs. So that means another position. So that means maybe you don't keep six receivers. So that's going to be an interesting uh, decision that they're going to have to make. Because in the past, they've also kept four tight ends. I don't know if they're going to do that this year as well. So they got a... Those are a couple of options and a couple of things that are going to be interesting to see, you know, when that 53-man roster kind of shakes out in a couple of weeks. Man, if they let if they let Corey Grant go and he goes somewhere and just becomes a stud, it is going to be – I mean, that may be the worst thing for us to happen because that happened again. I keep referencing it, but with Brandon Marshall, uh, you know, last year or a couple years ago with Denver, let him go and now he's a stud in Denver. Right. Yeah. I mean, he has breakaway speed. I mean, we, we saw it. We saw it. You know, last year, I mean, he ran for, what, a buck 20 in that final game of the year against against Indianapolis. I mean, he looked really, really good. I mean, none of the running backs are – can match him in speed. Like, and it's not even close. I mean, Fournette and Ivory are guys that are pretty much going to run over guys, not around guys. And Grant is kind of that home run threat. He's a guy, if you put in the backfield, other teams are going to be like, oh, okay, we need to really, really respect this guy. So, we'll see. And you know what's funny is as I was as I was asking the question earlier about the receivers, you know, I'm a big fan of the running game and controlling the clock and just at least installing the fear that you can run the football. So now with these backs that we have plus the fullback, it's almost like somebody's got to be the odd man out. And right. my vote as a fan, I, you can't teach speed, so you got to keep Grant. So, so would it be Yeldon? Would it be Yeldon? It's not going to be Ivory. So the only yeah, other it's not going to be Ivory. It's, it's not, not going to be Fournette. It's not going to be. I think it's Yeldon, and I don't. As much as I don't want to see that, that's just uh, unfortunately that's the nature of the beast. I mean, I don't think that's what they're going to do. I mean, like if you told me that next year uh, T.J. Yeldon isn't on this roster, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, but this year, I feel like I feel like he they'll they'll carve out a role role for him uh, this season. But beyond this season, I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect anything out of him. Speaking of the analytics thing, I don't know if uh, anybody listened to the episode with Aaron Schatz, but Corey Grant was kind of one of the guys they keyed in on. Uh, at least Tony Khan did, as far as uh, a guy to 
to sign and pick up as a undrafted free agent. So that's been a pretty good pickup, and I'm really hoping he makes the team because anytime he gets on the field, he's super exciting to watch. Are you saying that Tony Khan has more more hits on draft picks than than Caldwell? <laughs> <laughs> But you know, Alan Hurts was undrafted too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And they had, uh, he had, I think the analytics department, which from what I understand doesn't even exist anymore. But my understanding was, is that Hearns was a big guy on on the analytics board and they had Alan Robinson as like a projected first rounder, even though we'd take him later on. So, so anyway, no comments on, on the Dave Caldwell <laughs> question. Uh, we've, we have a member of the media who has to stay, uh, you know, stay neutral. Uh-huh. Thank you guys for being aware of that. I like my job. <laughs> um. So to kind of wrap up, you know, I guess with the game coming up on Thursday, are there like maybe one or two players that you would say would be good to keep an eye on? You know, maybe like guys that are on the bubble or, uh, you know, guys that really, really need to show up. Hmm. That's a good question. I hadn't thought about that one. Um, I need to see who's going to step up and be a cornerback <laughs> on this team because A.J. Boye wasn't at practice today. Jalen Ramsey hasn't done anything but individual drills. Aaron Colvin still hasn't practiced at all. So I want to see, and they just cut Josh Johnson, who at least made a couple of plays last year. So I want to see who who in the world is going to play cornerback for this team. I mean, Jameis Winston and, and Mike Evans were just kind of eating these guys up. I mean, as they should. I mean, when you're going up against, you know, most teams fourth or fifth and sixth cornerback. So I would keep an eye on all three of those positions. I mean, I haven't seen a whole lot of guys. Uh, there is one guy. I don't know. I got I got this step chart pulled out. There was the guy who's been getting tons of interceptions, uh, Tyler Patman. Yes, Tyler Patman. He's been making a lot of plays, and he's probably going to have to play. Like, you know, when the season started or when training camp started, you might have thought, okay, maybe he's a guy who, you know, can kind of carve out a, a role in special situations. But now they're actually depending on this guy. Like, I mean, right now he's listed as a third as a third teamer. But uh, they're really counting on this guy because, like I said, I mean, they're not – it doesn't look like A.J. Boye is going to play this week. I would be shocked. I mean, Jalen's – they haven't ruled him out. But if he hasn't participated in even one-on-one drills, he's not going to play on Thursday either. And like I said, Colvin hasn't played at all. So I would definitely – on the defensive side of the ball, I would definitely look and see who's going to play corner, who's going to make a play. Um, we haven't seen, you know, a whole lot of, you know, playmaking in training camp from either Barry Church or Deshaun Gibson either. You know, I want to, I want to see somebody in the secondary, other than Tyler Patman, make a play because I haven't well, seen. What it about yet. the uh, the the new the the new guy, the hometown kid, Charles James II? How do you think he'll perform? Um, he's I know he's everybody's favorite guy from uh, from Hard yeah. from yeah. a couple of years ago, but it's still too early. I mean. He hasn't stood out in practice yet, but, I mean, he just got here. So I think it's just one of those where he's made plays in the past. And, I mean, Doug Marone even admitted, like, you know, yeah, he's behind. You know, it's, he's going to have to really, really do a lot to make this roster. Because, I mean, three of those spots are filled. And then you drafted a rookie as well. So he's probably going to make the team as well. So we're going to have to see uh, – Who's going to make some plays in the secondary for this team? Because those plays have been lacking so far. Brian, we really, really appreciate it. Again, I just want to tell you guys, if you're not already following him on Twitter, um, definitely, definitely do so. We'll, we'll obviously put your uh, handle in the uh, tweet that we send out with the podcast and also put it in the uh, podcast description. And that's at WJXTBJackson on Twitter. 
Um, and you can catch him on News for Jacks. And uh, Brian, again, uh, we'll send you out your uh, reoccurring guest trophy here in the mail soon. <laughs> um, so it's pretty exciting. And uh, we, th- yeah, yeah. So we thank you again for uh, joining us. No, thank you guys for having me, man. It's a good time, man. I'm be glad to be on. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.